0: Chapter 23 No one survived within the milky kiln cloud. It lingered a whole day before being drawn up by the lofty null sphere. There were not even skeletons left. Not plate armor, or ringmail, not the silver suits of houseite guards. The cloud had scoured away the fallen behemoths, disintegrated the ruined caravels, and even eaten the dust of the desert, and the sand beneath it, and the bedrock too, down at thirty feet. The narrow Magadan defile had widened into a broad veil, hollowed out of the rock as if by acid. Phyrexian ships hovered in stupefaction above the eerie cloud. Then, new orders
1: came. Land on the desert amid the troops. Take on board as many as you can. Fly them to the city. Resupply and recharge. Prepare to engage.
0: Engage what? Engage whom? Beyond shimmering Halcyon, black clouds boiled up from the west, except that they weren't clouds. They were more threatened ships. Two more fleets. And in their shadow marched two great armies. They approached across the searing,
1: Waterless Desert. Citizens of Halcyon, you've seen a mighty battle. You've seen the traitors and invaders, the so-called Fren Alliance, fall to the armies of right. You've seen the Halcyon Guard fight with valor that has not been eagled in centuries and had not been surpassed even then. You've seen the Phyrexian Guard fight as angels among mortals, with the pure, vengeful joy that comes from righteousness. You've seen the wonder of the Stone Charger in the Defile, cleansing our foes in a cloud of white. All of it you beheld from the walls and rooftops and even this very temple where I stand now. I ask you to become what you have seen. Let the valor of the Halcyte Guard enter through your eyes and sink into your heart and become valor there too. Let the righteous vengeance of the Phyrexian Guard heat your blood so that you will not shrink from the coming fight, but yearn for it. Let the white cloud that cleansed the very ground of the Thran army now cleanse each of your souls of whatever rebel impulses might remain among them. This is our moment. The long stairway of history at last gives us onto broad paradise of destiny. We are stepping through the doorway of futures. Of course these armies have come. Of course they want to slam that door in our faces. Trap us in with them. Drag us down those stairs we have tirelessly climbed. Haul us down into the caves of the damned. But that is not where we belong. We are no longer the damned. We have risen out of disease and death into life. We have cured the theses that ravages the rest of the world. And now we are curing ourselves even of mortality. From a great distance, you saw the Phyrexian Guard. You saw they have the strength of ten mortals. You saw they could fight on when mortals would die. From a great distance, you saw the new immortals. And soon, they will not be distant. Soon, you will be among them and be one of them. They are our destiny. This is our moment, citizens of Halcyon. Rise with me into the bright future. Fight beside me against the covetous past. I call all of those not actively engaged in the defense of the city. I call you to enter Phyrexia now, to join the legion of angels. Shuck the mortal coil and dress yourselves in immortality. We are ascending. We are becoming Phyrexians. We are becoming gods.
0: The sirens had been sounding for hours. Not a soul remained in the temple. Everyone had cleared the streets. Many civilians descended to the cave beneath the city and from there to Phyrexia to enlist. Others fled to their homes. Those who had shutters secured them. Those who did not nailed tabletops over their windows. The Thran soldiers were coming. That was the explanation they gave to any houseside guards who happened by. Soon, not a civilian soul remained in the streets or the temple. Not a soul except Rebecca. She slouched within the temple's uppermost parapet. She had not moved since the stone charger was detonated. The horrible sight of it. The terrifying quake, the blast of sound, it had knocked her to her side, and she had not risen. She had glimpsed the mayhem in the all-seeing facets of her temple. The image of Yamoth came next, and his voice boomed from the altar out across the world. He urged the people to become what they had beheld. Rebecca already had. She had become what she beheld, and she beheld atrocity. There you are, came the dulcet voice of Yamoth behind her. He climbed the stairs that led to the secret parapet. You need to come down. It will not be safe for you up here when the siege begins. Rebecca turned and looked up at him. He was magnificent, darkened battle-scarred, in the ruby-fasciant light of dusk.
2: It has never been safe. Only now. I recognize the peril.
0: Yama smiled dazzlingly. He crouched beside her. The smell of smoke and sweat suffused his clothes. He rested a hand on her shoulder. It is easy to climb if you
1: keep looking up. It gets hard only when you look down. The dying sun gleamed in his eyes. Now you've looked down and see how far you've climbed. It is deep and dark, and it is behind you. You've looked down and gotten spooked.
2: Not just spooked,
1: Rebecca interrupted.
2: It isn't just dark down there. It is horrible. Look at all the people we've killed. You can't even look at them. They're gone. Why from the world?
1: Yamaht's brow nodded. You didn't kill anyone.
2: Yes, I did. I'm implicated in all this. The city i have built. The husband I've helped invent weapon after weapon. The man I've got to the pinnacle of Halcyon.
1: Laughter interrupted her. Not derisive, but open and easy. You think too much of yourself. You think Glaceon would have not made weapons without you?
2: Who else could understand him? Who else could interpret for him?
1: You think I would not have ascended Halcyon without you? Who else could understand you, could interpret for you, Rebecca said. She shook her head. All this
2: talk of ascending, you learned that from me, but you improved upon it. I used hope, but you used fear. The house-sides arose out of fear.
1: What does it matter? What does it matter why they rose? Yamal said. They rose. Rebecca flung her hand out toward the battlefield, the scoured earth,
0: and the wide shallow trench. This is why it matters. This. Yama's face was dusky. You're tired. You aren't seeing straight. I'm thinking straight for the first time in years, she said, turning to push his hand off of her shoulder. Instead of releasing her, Yama slid his arm around her back and slipped his other under her legs. This is what I've done for our city. Our people. He stood, raising her from the cold crystals and cradling her in
1: his arms. I have lifted them. I'm still lifting them. I'm carrying them away from danger and into hope. He descended the parapet stairs. Rebecca
0: studied his face. His brow and jaw were strong, girded in shadow. She saw the sky in his eyes. Distant clouds scudded through the last shreds of sunlight. Hundreds of dark ships circled out among them. Every once in a while, a ray cannon on the wall would discharge. A golden gleam flicked outward to dissipate before reaching the Thran ships. Nearest of all, Hovering in a weighty halo above the city walls was the recharged and reprovisioned Halcyon fleet. Rebek slumped, hopelessly in his arms. Halcyon was ready. The Null Sphere turned every Thran artifact creature against the invaders. The battle was fast and furious, blood and bone mixed with oil and steel. The Null Sphere glared balefully at the Crimson Battle. From that metal moon, Yamoth reached down to clutch every Thran machine. He did not release them until thousands of artifact creatures and Thran troops lay in broken pieces on the desert. Since the skirmish, Phyrexian warships and raid cannons kept the Thran fleet at a radius of four miles. Halcyon guards controlled the city. Phyrexian guards controlled the undercity. Rebecca rested in her home. Glaceon languished in his cave. There was nothing more Yawmoth could do in Halcyon, and so he worked. His laboratory was Phyrexia. The plane was suffused with power, shunted down from the lofty null sphere. Yalmoth made use of every erg. On the first sphere, Commander Gix enlisted the hundreds of citizen volunteers who had come to become Phyrexians. Most could not imagine the vast alterations in store for them. Once the changes began, none would want to return to the former weakness. On the second sphere, artificers worked frantically to build more stone chargers. Yalmoth allowed the corners of his mind to aid these endeavors. He spent only enough thought on them to keep the workers hard at their task. Yarmouth's true attention was spent in the Force sphere Laboratories. There, the Vat priests had set aside their work on viruses in order to study virulent plagues. Yarmoth wanted a contagion that could infect hundreds of thousands on the plains but would never rise to Halcyon. The priests experimented with disease that could only survive in desert heat, or that could be packed in powder bombs, or that would only affect non-humans. Lord Yarmouth had shown great foresight to keep the barbarian emissaries alive for such experiments. By replicating Glaceon's self-sustaining machines, the priest had assured that each ambassador could suffer many deaths before his or her body gave out entirely. It had been a bit of poetry. The emissaries had brought a deadly message to Houseon, and now they would bear back an even deadlier one. Perhaps eight ambassadorial coffins to the eight allied nations would be the best way to send specific plagues to minotaurs, elves, dwarves, catfolk, and humans. Clutching in the heart of Phyrexia, Yama smiled. That would be lovely indeed. A shudder of delight moved through him and through all the world. Then, there was someone with him in the inner sanctum. No one came here. No one knew the way in. No one was welcome here, and yet someone was with him. He did not withdraw from clutching the heart of the world. He wanted to remain a god, for he knew who this must be. Hello, Dyfed.
2: Hello, Yamoth,
0: she said, her voice stealing in the darkness.
2: I noticed you'd gotten yourself into a war. I wondered how you fared.
0: Well enough, as you could see. Yamoth could sense her presence there in the inner sphere, like the pressure of a tumor in his head. Well enough. Yes, she replied. She walked. Her feet made a slow, clicking, mounting noise on the shell. You are doing well enough. But what about your people?
1: My people? The Phyrexians?
2: Your
0: people? The Halsites, the Thran, your people, and my
1: own people. They are doing well, as you can see. I
0: can see nothing of the sort. There is tyranny. There is civil war. There is genocide, Dyfed responded. I should have listened to Glaceon.
1: Listen to Glaceon?
0: He knew who you were from the beginning, Yalmoth. He knew what you were capable of. He warned everyone. His wife and me too. But we all thought he was deluded, Dyfed said. You cannot hide the atrocities any longer.
1: What atrocities?
0: The thysis for one. It was never contagious, as you well knew. You used it to quarantine your enemies and promote your friends. You even learned how to infect a healthy body so that you controlled who was stricken and who was healthy.
1: You are just another skeptic. I have healed the thysis.
0: You've devised a remedy that gives you complete control over your people. Heal the body but possess the soul. I am not harming anyone. You're harming everyone. The only ones you
2: cannot harm are the ones I took away from you. The Elder Council. You took them? Where are they? They are safe. Why
0: have you come here? I made you a god. And I could take away your godhood. Yarmouth was silent for a time. He felt Phyrexia was drawing back from him. He felt Dithead's mind forcing its way between him and his world. From the thousand places it roamed in Phyrexia, Yalmoth's mind withdrew. He shrank and coalesced from divinity to humanity. In moments, he stood beside Dithead, in the midst of that dark
1: place. I suppose you could do whatever you want, he smiled grimly. You are, after all, a planeswalker. I am only a man, and your prisoner. I thought perhaps I was more. I thought perhaps I would save my people. The true planeswalker among you, an ascent planeswalker,
0: will rise to save your people. But you will come with me. You will surrender Phyrexia and Halcyon, end this war, and come with me to the Thran Allied Council. Not another life will be lost in this war, unless it be yours. Yalmoth tilted
1: his head. I cannot escape you, but you should know other lives will be lost. Even now, the eight ambassadors who came to Halstown from the Allies. They live in the fourth sphere, but only by exertions of my mind. If you take me out of Phyrexia, those eight will die. No, they won't, Dyfed said
0: barely. My magic will heal anything short of Thysus. They won't die. They will return with us and tell of your atrocities, she grasped his hand. Suddenly, they were on the fourth sphere. The place was infernal. A red glow filled the world. Giant furnaces reached from the rankling ground to the smoking shroud ceiling above. Huge flashes of fires illuminated the horrible place. Humans were utterly dwarfed by the massive mechanisms. But the Vat priests of Gaulmoth were no longer exactly human. Red-robed, masked in black, they were impossibly tall and impossibly lean. Eyes glowed in the dark. Razor-tipped fingers moved dexterously across the instrumentation. Their own flesh had been transformed by the dark sciences. They swooped up around the new arrivals. Yawmoth waved them back. When they recognized their master, the vat priest backed away, bowing deeply and fearfully. Their retreat revealed rows of huge glass vats. Each vat was illuminated below, each filled with a golden oil, and even occupied by a naked, transforming creature. Human forms gave way to slow, monstrous forms. Fangs replaced teeth. Claws replaced nails. Barbed whiskers replaced hair. Horns grew from bone. What is this? Dyfed gasped.
1: This is the future. This is power perfected, he said quietly. But you aren't interested in that. You came to see the ambassadors.
0: Well, here they are, he gestured to a bank of vats behind him. Difed had moved forward, astonished. Unlike the gradual transformations occurring with the vatted humans, these poor creatures had been cut and sewn back together brutally and mercilessly. Eyes had been sewn into the belly of the dwarf. Fingers had been grafted to the forehead of the elf. A duck's wing replaced one of the Minotaur's arms. A mechanical head had replaced the Catwoman's skull.
2: I cannot heal these... These...
0: I never thought... Precisely, Yama said. He drove a dagger into Difeed's forehead. One hand clutched her hair, holding her upright. The other gripped the dagger's hilt, waggling back and forth to scramble her brains.
1: You never thought, and you will never think again. But with a thought... You can jump from place to place, can heal yourself or others. If I pit you, though, if I continually scramble your reins, you cannot think. The best you could do is struggle to reassemble your skull. Meanwhile, I can keep you here. He nodded to his
0: priest, who swooped silently up around him. Yalmoth cradled the trembling woman against him. He worked the dagger back and forth. Its blade cracked against the sides of her skull. A red-gray ooze trickled down her nose. Yalmoth bent and kissed her.
1: You see, my dear, the brain is the seat of thought. Every human faculty has its organ. Remove the organ, and remove that faculty. Even planeswalking, there is an organ in you, my dear, that makes that a possibility. I'm going to cut you open, and find it, and remove it from you, and graft it into me. I'm going to be a planeswalker. And you? You'll just be another hunk of meat
2: in the bats.